Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, everybody, here we go. This is the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. I'm Ed Krasnick, my co-host Jennifer Kalari. Coming along very shortly, this is the show where we talk about, I don't know what we talk about. We talk about mental health, mental fitness, mental well-being, because it is a practice. It's something a lot of people talk about. It's something that very rarely people do. And so we're trying to we're trying to do it. And Jennifer teaches it, and I'm a mess. I'm not well. And then, and that's how it works. And you, you do the hokey pokey and you turn your life around. Okay. Now on today's show, we have two just amazing people, great friends, and they, they won't say that about me, but I'll say it about them. But they, we're lucky. <laughs> we're lucky to have them. Oldest and dearest friend, a guy who is on Bob's Burgers, a guy who co-hosts the show, the podcast, uh, Thought Spiral with his partner and that the two people who host that show, which is very funny, Andy Kindler and J. Elvis Weinstein, and they will be on joining us very shortly. Everything is coming up. Nothing is happening now. I want to tell you that today's show is being sponsored by Better Help for Animals. There are so many animals that need mental health support and education now. And why should they have to schlep into an office? With better help for animals, whether you're a dog with an owner who dresses you up like a member of the Green Bay Packers, or a parrot who is tired of taking on misplaced anger, you'll have a trained therapist for support and skills. It's about getting back to nature and dealing with the crazy nurture of the humans in your life. It's okay for an alligator to snap, but that alligator is now stressed and worried because there's a silo-sized Coke bottle floating in his river. So that alligator will now be treated to the finest CBT skills to get back to nature and learn nurture again. An owl shouldn't have to ask who when it comes to their own identity. <laughs> Better help for animals. Therapy in your own habitat. We like to uh, welcome our listeners, no matter what emotional state they're in, here are emotional shout-outs. If you've spent $8,500 in subscriptions to an online service to help you manage your online services, welcome. If your digital footprint is bigger than the state of Alabama, welcome. If you have a social insecurity card, welcome. If quality time for you is staring into a closet for four hours, welcome. If you end up watching The Proposal because you can't navigate Peacock, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. And now it's time to present the sister of serotonin, the Magellan of the Medulla Oblongata, and the Raja of Resilience. Jennifer Kalari. <laughs> Jen- yeah, those, those are all new. Wow. They're all new this week. Wow. Um, I I want to welcome you. Now, I know you've been in Costa Rica. I know that you're in the mob. <laughs> and this Sicilian thing must all end. <laughs> but uh, but you've been in Costa Rica. Now you're back. I'm back. Yeah. Do you have a different perspective on life now that you've spent a, nearly a month in Costa Rica? I'm very happy to be away from the scorpions. Let's just put it that way. And how many did you get bit by? <laughs> this is not a joke. Two, twice. 
twice, twice stung by a yes. scorpion. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. So, um, it, we had a great time, except for the scorpions. It was great. Now, now, was that poison, and I know they're not poisonous there, but let's pretend for this joke that they are. Was okay. that poison equal to or greater than the poison of being around patients that you can't stand? There's no patients I can't stand. I okay, good. You take on the best people. <laughs> that's for sure. You take on the best people. Now, Jennifer, today I want to talk about something that is plaguing the world, and I'm we're calling it cancel culture. Mm-hmm. I think there's an I think there's a mental health component to cancel culture. I think we're going to find it. I don't know what it is, but I think we're going to find it. I think fear is behind it. Fear is definitely behind it. What is going on? I heard uh, Bill Maher, and we'll talk to Andy and, and Jay Elvis about this. I'm sure they have, I'm sure they talk about this all the time. But Bill Maher said this war on comedy must stop now. And I can just hear Andy's uh, ears turning. I know what he's going to say. He's done, he's done a good job on his own. <laughs> Andy, Andy, you're not you on yet. You're not oh, on yet. But I knew, you, I, I can hear the wheels. What, Are you Jen- sure I'm not on yet, Jeff? You're not on yet. <laughs> How do you know? Don't you get to the microphone. Are you sure? Oh, Shush. my God. Okay, this I'll is go. how it goes. No, no, it's good. It's good. Jen- Jennifer, do you have yeah. anything to say about this? Because then we're gonna, we'll bring the boys in. First of all, I think cancel culture definitely comes from fear. And when conversations stop happening and people can't talk, they, they have to conflict and argue with each other instead of have meaningful conversations where you can find the synthesis, we're in big trouble. And I'll tell you, I have a lot of young people on my caseload who are literally terrified of being canceled themselves, just with friends, never mind on a grand scale. And that really feeds and fuels social anxiety, which is through the roof right now, by the way. So it's a it's a hot topic. When did we stop uh, being able to talk about things? When did you, When did humor stop? You know, it's been getting worse over the years. I feel like it got much worse during COVID as people were mm. kind of shut in their homes and, and listening. And, and you're in, we're all in an echo chamber just with algorithms, listening to what we know and what we think. And we're just not exposed to other ideas and other arguments. And it's actually painful and uncomfortable to be exposed to other arguments. But it's a tolerance. It's a resilience that we all need in order to function together as a society. We can't make fun of anything anymore. No, we, we're can't. not allowed to make fun. You can't make fun of anything anymore. I'm he sorry. said you can't <laughs> make fun of anything anymore. <laughs> All right, we got to bring you guys in. All right, you, you, you know them, you love them, you can't live without them. From Thought Spiral, Andy Kindler and J. Elvis Weinstein. Okay, so guys, cancel thanks for calls. saying. Thanks for saying shortly. They're coming up shortly. Yeah, you don't think I heard, I heard that? I heard it. <laughs> I wasn't anything personal. It was professional. Oh, good. Um, so, okay, t- guys, um, cancel culture. What What do we do about this? Do you want to handle it, Jill? Yeah, you handle it because I could get very upset. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we we as older as older white guys, we don't do anything about it. We just we just start <laughs> beginning. And that's right, right? We should just yeah. stand back. Yeah, right. Uh, we are off the we're off the playing field now. We don't but, have the uh, right anymore. That's right. Okay. But where do we go humor? Like, why, how can we not, like, what are we going to talk about? I See, that, I, I don't buy that at all, honestly. Okay. I, you know, I, you know I, I think, obviously, it's more of a minefield than it's ever been. But I also feel that that's part of a comedian's job is to know the playing field, you know. 
Yeah, but what, but do you find that, I mean, if you're, Andy, if you're in a comedy club and you say the word, you say a word that people have a hot, hot button issue about. Like what? Don't, like what? Andy? Jews. <laughs> yeah. When you say Jews, what happens? Uh, most people leave. And then the people who are left uh, look at me searchingly. OK, here's the thing. <laughs> the problem what was Josh talking about is absolutely right. There is a problem. Of course, there are problems. Like I always use the example of the woman who got in the plane and she uh, t- tweeted something about people in Africa it was a bad joke. And by the time she got to Africa, her job was gone. So we, we know that that can happen. But mostly cancel culture is used by the right wing to say to cover up their claims that they don't have free speech. And by free speech, they mean hate speech. And they don't really. So it's a really it's a really uh, I don't find that I've ever had problems in a club or what you're talking about, although I know that that exists. It totally exists, but it exists mostly it exists more online than it does in in IRL. You know, I think I think people aren't people are doing well, like people are not happy and they're angry and they're stressed. They're also looking for struggle they're you know do you know what i mean like i feel like people are really stressed so they're just agitated and more irritated than normal nothing's normal right now and i think that social media is an outlet for negative energy for people like a primary outlet for negative energy yeah because there's you know there's only a reward for being negative online you know and people become addicted to that right yeah absolutely and that's that and the news, and of course, what happens to your when you watch any news? Probably, you're learning about what doesn't work. You're learning about what's not working. There, there are very few stories about what is working, and there is a lot working in the world. There's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of things that are happening. There's a lot of amazing things that people are doing. But you're hearing this. The, the way news is done is that there are commentators. There are no reporters anymore. There are no journalists. Right. investigating a story. You're literally just talking about one story for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Yes, and everything is greeted with either outrage or applause with yeah. no nuance between. That's and you're right. put on retainer for that. That that <laughs> gives you a nice retainer fee. We don't have to pay journalists. We can Who pay books you. That? Who books that, by I way? know. <laughs> I know. There's no, you know, either that or the match game. Match game 74. That's what you want to go on. But, you know, like as we're talking like today, Elon Musk is trying to buy Twitter under the guise of that. He wants it to be more free speech, but he doesn't want it to be more free speech. He wants it to be more uh, hate speech like Trump. Yes. Or he actually I don't think he has. I don't think he thinks that much about what he's doing, although he but he definitely is. Tr- Why? Well, I think he does. I'm sorry. But I think he's evil. Pretty much evil. He's but, a you know, huge Josh, comedy fan. Mm. Yeah. He's also <laughs> unfunny, which I think bothers him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bothers me. Yeah. So at any rate, so Josh and Andy, so you you don't think that they, are there are special like since all of this stuff has happened uh, to the culture, to society over the last couple of years with the pandemic and everything. Do you how do you feel? How has it affected how you take care of yourself and how you how you are creatively? And I'll take my answer off the air. Um, well, I mean, I find that the hard thing creatively now is is just that, that the world has gone through such a like such a collective experience that there's not a lot of meat on the bone for you to talk about your individual version of that collective experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. um so so the hard the hard part now is to think of like stories you want to tell that are sort of outside 
this thing giant thing we're all experiencing and yet doing it from inside of it you know so so the bo burnham special uh what's your stance on that well good for you know i didn't enjoy it but good for him yeah. you know yeah, I, yeah, I, I thought he tried I, something i love that i love anybody who tries something and i love yeah. that you know as much as everyone pledged to make that a creative time when they were home in their a place <laughs> very few people did you know and so the fact that he you know, he had the discipline to do it. God bless him. Or the need, you know, whether it's discipline or need, you know. The movie from a long time ago was uh, was My Dinner with Andre. And whether you like that or not, there was- I loved it. I loved it. And I saw it more than three times. Do you remember this? Do you remember when he says, he says, yes, we're bored, but a sleeping people cannot say no? <laughs> Did it ever occur that. to you that a sleeping people cannot say no? So when you're in a state of overwhelm, when the world is in overwhelm, you're not choosing things. You, you know, you're in a state of over, overwhelm and panic. And so, like I know, I laugh less, I cry hardly ever, and I watched RoboCop, and I felt that he was very vulnerable compared to me. <laughs> Your problems may go beyond the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> They're way past the pandemic. They're endemic or they're endemic. But I think, you know, I, I've said this a lot, but I, I think the pandemic took, you know, there's a lot of people who went from damaged to broken during the pandemic. Yeah, that's see. true. We're going to be unpacking the mental health component of, of the pandemic for a very long time. Laughter is the best medicine. And through all kinds of difficult times, war, struggle, laughter is what really saves people. And I feel like we need to get back to that. And and no no two people are going to laugh at always the same thing. It's very different. It's very nuanced. Right. But comedy is so important right now. It really is. I think we're not getting the release, the same release. But you guys, uh, you there there are many uh, funny comedians, many people doing great work. Who are they? You're asking oh, us? No, no. I'm just <laughs> making a comment. How has it inhibited your your comedy or helped it? Like you said, Josh, it's very difficult to do it from from inside yeah. of it. But uh, but how is it? Has it helped you in any way? I don't know that it's helped me. Um, I think it's. I mean, I've got I've got a whole lot of uh, of just to, just sort of burning contempt for humanity right now. <laughs> Great title for a book, you know. And I always had a simmering contempt for humanity. <laughs> now it's burning. Now you're on fire, Andy. What about you? You're you know, a lot of people don't know this about you, but you're a man who, go ahead, fill in it. No, you you are a guy who is a very, very spiritual man. You are a tireless giver for the Easter Seals every, no. Um, but you you are a guy who uh, who is very, has a very spiritual side. The, the thing I love about you and Eddie Pepitone in particular is you have a very wide range of yeah. what you can do. Yeah. You know? Well, I think the pandemic is real. I love it. I think the pandemic has helped. Me, uh, me, I'm one of the few people that maybe it has helped. Uh, because I'm, I mean, I'm I'm speaking hyperbole, hyperbolic, but because it really made me focus on the things that are going on with within me, and so I was. It, so the isolation has actually uh, made me focus on more of what my issues are, because it's just not it's just not so much distraction from it. You know, I mean, it's like uh, you really make forces you to focus, although sometimes I can't focus. But uh, I feel it's made me more spiritual, too, only in the sense that 
since I've been in a pandemic, I've actually come to the belief that I believe that not, I do believe in God. Doesn't mean everybody else has to. And I'm not afraid to say it. You know, it's like I used to be afraid to say it, just much like George Harrison was when he came out with uh, My Sweet Lord. He was afraid putting that in a song would alienate people. So was, I, I've, I, I've changed a little bit. What was wow. that, Josh? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to do an impression of something. It wasn't an impression, but it was it was it was a timing based joke that the moment passed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn it! Yeah, the moment passed. Well, what can we do? All things must pass when it comes to George oh, Harrison. What? Oh, fantastic! Let's do it again, like we didn't do it. <laughs> um, what that that is fantastic! But wasn't there there was plagiarism? But that wasn't about his spiritual belief. That he was wasn't plagiarism. No. It, it was wasn't plagiarism. Real? No, it wasn't real. Because no, he we, just. He heard yeah, we, the song in, at some point, I think, yeah, and didn't yeah. know he heard it. Yeah, we all, we all have that. We all have that. Um, we don't write hits. We don't write Stop songs. Stop trashing like, George Harrison for <laughs> crying out loud. <laughs> oh, God. Do you, well, did you see the, uh, the Beatles uh, documentary, The Get Back? On, on Josh Hulu? did. Josh did. I, did. I haven't yet. Yeah, it's amazing. Boy, uh, it's such a pleasure to see. You're going to love it, Ant. You will go crazy over that. You will love it. Well, so that's really interesting. So the spiritual, the spiritual uh, side of it, is there a practice? Are we, are, do you do something every day? Are you meditative uh, person? I know Taekwondo. I know, I know uh, that practice has been with you for a long time. Oh yeah. He's really, he's really <laughs> sharp on that right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I haven't talked to Andy in a you long did time. Us. You were able, even on an audio call. To detect <laughs> the intense uh, sarcasm. No, I, I, I believe that God really is kind of love, and I do believe, kind of, that we're uh, if we can get back to the the. Uh, to me, I'm dealing. The thing I'm dealing most within the pandemic is my rage. I'm focusing on, and whenever I get enraged, I figure it's not the person I'm arguing with; it's some deeper issue. So. I'd like to not have as much rage or no rage. Well, it sounds like the fact that you're aware of it, you have a choice about it. It sounds like that's you're what very Josh conscious. says, right, Josh? Yeah, Josh, yeah. you give me credit that's, for that. Yeah, oh, I do. God. Josh does not have a choice. That's <laughs> no, the problem. No, with Josh. there's he no does governor. Not have there's a no governor of my rage. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, I go to you. Yeah. Jennifer is an expert yeah. on on this kind of stuff. On on rage. Not on rage in particular, but on on just dealing with feelings and and, and having a two way conversation. That's of what we course, talk about a lot on the show. Well, a lot, and you know what? A lot of people are very angry right now. Rage is is something that a lot of people feel, and 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 as people polarize and and get further and further from the middle, and this just does This is this happens in families. I mean, it, it's really an issue. And rage is, you know, all emotions are information. And the part of your brain that can rationalize and figure it out is the frontal lobe. The midbrain is the part that just kind of freaks out and thinks you're in danger. So watching something on Fox News or something that an uncle says at a dinner um, can make you so enraged. And, and what happens is the brain doesn't know that it's not, it doesn't know that it's not an actual danger. Like it thinks you get that upset that something's going to eat you. Like you're actually in a life or death situation. And the more you kind of stay anger, angry and you kind of get stuck in that, the more the brain thinks, well, you live in a very dangerous reality and it keeps all the cortisol and adrenaline flowing. So you're, you're, the system never gets to cool. So somehow like knowing your triggers and often the things you get the most mad at 
and we just kind of talked about that a few minutes ago is is sometimes a projection it's it's the things that where there's, it's like a pain point and so the more you actually practice calming yourself down moving your brain to think about something neutral like being able to toggle between emotions I can't tell you how protective that is, how important that is for mental health to be able to get upset about something, get mad, release it, let it go from your body and think about something else and kind of toggle in between emotional states is it, you're an emotional athlete if you can do that. And it's very protective. That's mental fitness. What, what, are, what do are people you listening? Do? Mr. Midbrain? <clears throat> what do people what? do? Listen. <laughs> what does he mean by that? <laughs> what do they mean? What the what, hell what is are they he talking about? What's he getting at? Gen- <laughs> Jennifer, uh, can you, what do people do? What do people, do? if people are listening to this, like mm-hmm. how do you, how do you do something very simple in the moment that allows you to shift and make that ability to toggle or strengthen that muscle so that you can do that? Yeah. The easiest thing is to breathe, just breathe and literally either out loud or in your head, tell your brain, there's no immediate danger. You read something or saw something and heard something very upsetting. There's no immediate danger. You have to tell your brain that, or it thinks it's life or death. And it'll send out the appropriate biochemistry to support that it's life or death, which causes stress, which causes, you know, a downgrade in your immune system. And it causes you to just be sort of you know, in a very hot state where it takes the slightest thing to get you angry. So breathing and what telling your brain that nonsense is this. <laughs> <laughs> this, from mean, the guy, this from the guy who gets a fight or flight response from a bagel conversation. None of this is easy. None of this is easy. It is very hard to do. And most people don't know that they can actually have a conversation with your brain. You can. You're the thinker of your thoughts. You're the feeler of your feelings. Good luck with Trump. Good luck with Trump. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a relief, but isn't it a relief? Isn't it a relief to know that the, the, that the conversation doesn't have to just go one way. It's so tiring one way (laughs) all day long with the bothering. You being mad about Trump. I mean, obviously there's activism. There's other ways. No, I didn't mean that. I think the, the, the rage of Trump's my problem. I mean, if you were, (laughs) if he was one of your uh, clients, and you were trying to get him. Yeah, what would you to say to him between rage and insanity? Okay, so listen, I, I have to be very careful because I have clients, but I, I've had clients in the past that are very much like that. A toxic narcissist in L.A. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I can't get mad at them. I, I mean, I can't. Right. So I have to think. Okay, what is behind that? Even Trump, there has to be such trauma. I'm not kidding. Oh, well, we know with him there was. I mean, I read I read Mary Trump's book. and There was that yeah. potato thing. It's all about the potato thing. Anyone that angry, there's trauma. Mm. <laughs> there's trauma, there's fear. And so, and fear is a dangerous thing. It is. Yeah. So you're saying if the world responded to like that kind of craziness with, oh, I'm so, I'm, I'm really sorry for you. You must be in a lot of pain right now. You, you know, so, so let's just take this down to a manageable level. If, so let's say you can't stand Donald Trump and it makes you crazy. Like, hmm. and you can't, even looking at his face makes you insanely angry. So the truth is, turn stuff off. I, I'm, I was going to say this. I'd like That is really good. Stop looking at it. Really, just stop. Or at least allow yourself to do it a little bit, but take a break from it. Because yeah. it's overwhelming and it's I toxic. tried that on my wedding night, Ed. Remember that? That's the first thing. And then the second thing, when you think about him, try to, <laughs> and this sounds so difficult, but just try to think, okay, 
there's trauma, there's sadness, there's fear, and you, you, you can't do anything about it. it. It's out there in the world. It's not in your, it's not happening to you in that moment. You have to tell your brain that there's nothing directly in front of you and train your brain to at least be able to think about something neutral on demand. Is that a, is that, um, understanding as, as the Yiddish word is Rachmanis and understanding mm-hmm. yeah. from where people yes, are coming like from. like compassion, right? Finding some right. depth to the situation. Is the use of that to have, to make it make sense? You're, you're never going to, no, no. You're probably not going to make sense of it, but what you can do is find some humanity and some compassion in that moment and let it go. Because there's nothing you're going to do about that right now. Go and be nicer to the people in your home. Go and do nice things for people. Go and think about things that are more pleasant. Take, Give your brain a break and stop feeding it. Because it's fight or flight, fight or flight, and you're we're fight feeding flight, fight the flight. fight or flight, and it's addictive. It is addictive. It's like it eating candy. It is a yeah. it is an addictive thing, and then all of a sudden, your brain is tuned to fight or flight. And Jennifer talks about this all. We've talked about this a bunch of times on the show. There's a part of your brain that tags things, so mm-hmm. whatever you tag, your brain tags. It looks for more of the same. Yeah, that's a brain function. That's not like something I made up. It yeah. is. I don't know. Like put your head in the sand and don't ever watch the news and don't know what's going on in your life. I'm not saying that. I'm saying just don't feed that constantly. It's really bad for your it's really toxic. It's really bad for your body. And the the other the other concept that's really interesting, I was talking to Jason, the great Jason Brown, uh, who you introduced me to, Jennifer, about mm-hmm. this. And that is the idea of you be well. Like, stop trying to help everybody else. You be well. If you're well, the whole world is going to come forward. You have to yeah. be well. There's a danger in that thinking, though, because there's a little bit of danger because it's like when Oprah was selling the secret. I think it's important when people know that you don't create your own reality. You can add to it your own stuff. But I think sometimes people think yeah. they can think themselves through things you right, you and that can't becomes kind of a toxic positivity. It's your fault that your life isn't great, or you're Superman and can right. and right and can, won't you know, be affected yeah. by it. Yeah, right. that's not that's not what we're talking about. It's sort of more like if you think of your attention and your brain like a flashlight, what you point it at is what your world is going to be. So take the flashlight and point it somewhere else, or at least don't leave it on that issue for a really long time because it's actually really bad for you. Can I help you with the metaphor of the mining yes, with the mining helmet since it puts the brain and the flashlight right I together? I love that. Yes, yes the Josh. mine. That's Sweet. great. But you can just take your attention and put it on something else. Now, your brain won't like that. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing over there being happy and thinking things are great? You need to be back here thinking you know things are terrible. And your brain will yank you back and that's okay. You go back for a minute and then you constantly try to shift your attention. You can move that helmet. You can decide where it goes. My friend had an acting teacher that referred to that as the warm, shitty place <laughs> that you keep going back to. It's so true. It's warm and shitty. Yes. There is an addiction to this. There really is. Yes. Yeah. Have you guys been considering a career in mining? A little bit, a little bit. I mine for data laughs, mining. right, I Josh? I do data mining. You do mine for laughs. <laughs> I hit a vein. Are you a jugular humorous vein? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I, I've been listening to something about Jerry Lewis, and uh, I, I don't want to even talk about it, but it just reminds me of great guy, how great guy, crazy, a nice man. There's a man <laughs> who was nice not guy. not doing a lot of conscious work. Tell no, him what you no. heard. What you? I I still don't think you heard this, Ed. But if you did hear it in Vegas, t- him talking to Tony Orlando, tell. Josh oh, I the was story. there. I was there. Tell Josh the story. The story is this, and the story- Jennifer the story. Okay, the story. I've never told you. That. Well, the story is that they used to do a daytime talk show, and it was called Las Vegas Tonight. But they shot it in the afternoon. Okay, and they shot it at the Dunes Hotel, and it was like four in the afternoon. It was people, old people, coming in from the casinos. It was the cast of Cocoon. It was Cocoon Dinner Theater, and they had Jerry and Tony Orlando hosted this show, and his first guest was Jerry Lewis. So Jerry, I went over because I wanted to, I actually wanted to see, I'd never seen him live before. So I went over and he comes with like the bicentennial hot pants and the, and the oil on the hair, you know, way back. And he sits down and he starts, Orlando starts to interview him and he looks at the audience. I'm not kidding. He says, this guy could be a real talent if he would just stop putting white powder up his nose. (laughs) this guy and i tell him i tell him he doesn't let now now people in vegas are asleep this was so egregious that these people are now not asleep and they're horrified and their own horror is keeping them awake and so this was an actual thing that i saw i actually went there to get his autograph and at the end, I just walked out because he continued to do this. And Tony Orlando was very hurt by it. He was very upset. How could you walk out of the Jerry Lewis intervention? <laughs> <laughs> it was the Jerry Lewis intervention show. But, but what I will tell you is a lion from the Siegfried and Roy show came by, took a paw full of potato salad, put the sunglasses on his head, threw its mane back and said, this business will bury me. Roar. No one batted an eye. That one he made up. That one he did make up. <laughs> That's from my but act, not the my Jerry Lewis. Story. No, the Jerry Lewis thing is a real story. And, wow. Uh, and he he hurt a lot of people. He was, but you talk about somebody who was very abused. I mean, his childhood was like, forget it. It was like his parents were like the Hansel and Gretel people. There, there were breadcrumbs in that house, and they weren't leading to a good place. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs> Anyway, that's a real story. And Andy, I've told you that before, but, but it, it was so weird for me because it was, it wasn't a, it wasn't an entertainment moment. It was actually right. a stunning display of dysfunction in front of a live audience. And I just had never seen anything like that. And I've, and I've also never seen anybody turn, you know, not turn back. Like now, let's go on with the show. If we can, like, like, right. like, cover it in some way. He didn't. No, cover he was it. so high. <laughs> he was gone. Yeah, Jerry was so high. Jerry, oh, Jerry was high. Or Tony. Well, both of them were high. And where but, was Don during all this? Uh, they were they were backstage, also high. Hmm. <laughs> uh, so, also it was, high. It was the sunset of Don. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was it was but but anyway there's a lot of uh there's a lot of stories like that a lot of stuff like that and i don't want to even really shine a light on or talk about it because it's been talked about enough but there was a that thing that happened in the academy awards was really a drug mo- it was like a drugged moment because what was so interesting is not clarifying or making an announcement about it or making a statement about it or or like saying, hey, you know, I kind of flew off the handle there. 
Yeah. That's drug behavior. That's like somebody who's on drugs. Hey, you think what, Will part, Smith what part of happy wife, happy trauma. life don't you understand that? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe I didn't, I didn't pay enough attention. Um, that's probably my own, my own problems, but, uh, but that's, that's really, it was true. horrifying was, to watch. I mean, it was, it was. I mean, Josh and I talked about so it. Disturbing. It, was, it was disturbing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, just, I mean, it was, you just don't see, you know, even though it wasn't, it wasn't uh high level violence, it was still true violence, you know? Yeah. And that man, uh, you know, less than an hour later was on stage receiving an award I know, I know. and, then, and, and being applauded. Yeah. yeah. Well, what are they going to do? I would have probably applauded just because I could, I was confused, but it was, it was, it's sort of like the epitome of Hollywood fear of like, no one can go up to this giant star and say, could you please leave after hitting a guy? They had to gently suggest it to his publicist yeah. who was terrified of him too, you know? Well, it, it's interesting because on a human level, when something happens that's so out of the ordinary like that, like you can sit here and think, oh, I do this or I'd say this. But honestly, when it happens, you go into like a state of disassociation. Like, is this really happening? Like, oh, for is, sure. Is this actually happening? And then nobody can move. And that's. No, as a viewer at home, I felt that. But, yeah. you know, but nonetheless, they still had time to. Uh, of course, of to course. do the right thing between when he came up for his speech and when it of happened. Of course, you know? and did too little, too late. I think yeah. he but tried was, to turn yeah. his speech into saying something about it. That's how yeah. I thought it was, but I think he realized, "Ooh, this is not." The he thought he was turning his slap into slap aid, but he was wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, putting a slap aid on. You know, no connection with the character of uh, Richard Williams that he could have. He could have said something funny and then said something, you know, then said something that was, uh, you know, con- in a connected way. The creepiest thing about the whole thing was just how long a walk it was before and after yeah. <laughs> to, get, to yeah. get to him. Yeah. There were so many things that could have been handled differently and done differently. But we just seem to have a lot of things in, in life right now that are like, is this really happening? <laughs> like, what is going on? And I feel like as a therapist helping kids and families, like, pe- honestly, people are not doing well. They're really not. They're struggling, really struggling. It feels like, you know, something like that and like almost every, like everything and everything that's happening right now gets processed at exactly the same emotional pitch at the same level. So the Will Smith slap is the same as the Ukrainian war is the same as, as who got cast as Superman is the same, you know. Yeah. And to try and explain this to kids, because a lot of my clients are kids, like, it's getting harder and harder. It really is. Yeah, there's just no sense of perspective to be had anywhere. Yeah. But Josh brought up a good point. I think you remember this, Josh, when you were talking about how people online, everybody feels the need they have to make a statement. Yeah. Remember you saying that to me? Yeah, it's like everybody, it's it's the, it's just this, like it's okay not to have an opinion about this bizarre thing that happened on the Academy Awards. Like you yeah. don't have to have an official take. It's a, it's a narcissistic thing to think the world yeah. needs to know your official position on every single thing that happens. Absolutely. And everyone's doing that. So it becomes this Absolutely. Just sea of overwhelm. You know what I tweeted about it? I, <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your, what is your show? Not to change subject, but what is your show uh, brought to your friendship? The thought spiral doing a show and, and talking at least for an hour or two a week, at least, I'm sure there's other time that you spend on it. What has that done for your friendship? 
I mean, it's in many, I mean, it's pretty much defined our friendship now. You know, mm. we, Andy and I were, 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 you know, warm friends before the podcast, but you know, we talked three times a year, you know? Right. So, yeah. I mean, it's really made us, uh, I, I think for me, well, I feel like it's more, I feel like I, Josh is my closest friend. And then Josh might say, but one of the guys died. But the thing is, <laughs> no, but I mean, I really feel like we, because we went through like arguments on the air and then people will, will, will uh, sometimes email, don't fight on the air. And so, <laughs> so it's been an amazing up, in, but I've learned so much about myself through this. And podcast. I've learned so much about Andy. So wow! it's worked, it's worked that's what's so great. That It's so great that you can be so vulnerable. That's what's so great about the show is that it's very real and you're, being yourself and things come up and you deal with emotion and there just aren't a lot of shows that, that deal with emotion and then move through it. I can't think of any really. Yeah, it's truly, well, it's very genuine that, that I'll give us. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, I mean, the, we're not, there's very little 65 degrees downtown Los Angeles. How bad did Kidler and Josh Elbaz wives die? Couple that you with the Jew talk. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite shows is what you just did. <laughs> that's Jewish drive time. That's right. Jew time. <laughs> have you guys really gotten, have you gotten angry and then had trouble coming down during an episode? A couple. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. A couple times. It's really been true. <laughs> so you do, you feel angry and then you, you continue, you go on. Yeah. We've never like ended a show enraged with each other. I don't think, you know, we've, we've gotten through it most of the time, but we'll usually end up having to do a postmortem the next week, you know? Mm-hmm. And we stopped doing the show for a couple of weeks this summer because uh, we were both uh, getting to a spot where we were frustrated and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we hit the wall with each other. Yeah, and taking time off was incredibly great, and then going back to it was incredibly. But great. we do we do a show every single week for five years. You know, we, like yeah. we literally don't. That was the first time we've taken more than a week off at right. once but ever. Growth so. happens there, right? When oh, you can sit sure. and you come back together, change does not happen when you're comfy. It really doesn't. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, I don't know where to go with this. Um, too much. Too much. Too much. <laughs> but you know, it's like you know, it's the, the it's it's like a marriage in this at this point in the sense that the goal is to not the goal is to stay together as friends. You know, so when you have a fight, the stakes aren't will our friendship end. The stakes are how are we going to get through this? You know. Yeah. Mm. How do you grow and how do you recover? I love that. The- that's a real friendship. I mean, also, I've been friendship. in therapy for f- for about five years, twice a week, and yeah. I'm learning a lot of, from that. And I'm also learning from that how much uh, when I get enraged, it's almost always about myself, mm-hmm. about my father. Maybe not my father. In a, you know, my father so is a f- j- joke on the show. But, but I'm, I'm like Andy's behavior test kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> Andy, I, I think this is really, I think it's really interesting. I think especially the thing about, you know, rage and that reaction is, is about you is coming from you and, and that you go, I give you a lot of credit that you are exploring it and that you go back to it. You know, you go back to yourself because almost all reactions are like, are like that. I don't have any reaction because I don't have any emotion. You're dead inside. Correct. Andy at my wedding, uh, my favorite joke of all time, he said, Ed Krasnick is a man who is so out of touch with his feelings that the show Six Feet Under is shooting a special in his stomach. (laughs) 
I'm funny, Josh. Come on. Yeah, I'm you, starting to see the paper trail now. You funny man. You're very funny. Previous man. to the podcast. And and now, now I think I can recapture it. <laughs> well, that was enough for me. That was fantastic. So I'm gonna let all you people out of here because we have a hard out in in a few minutes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna honor it. Can you, can you do so, me a favor, Ed? Can yeah. you say a shame sandwich for me? <laughs> it's a shame sandwich. Thank you. And how Thank about you. Mr. Whipple when he says, "Stop squeezing the what?" Shaman. <laughs> <laughs> I came here in a shambulance. Shaman. Um. Okay. Well, that's our show. Stop squeezing the shaman. Stop squeezing the shaman. I actually did see a shaman in Malibu. She had a card that says Malibu shaman. Wow. And she said, your ancestors love you and they are killing you. <laughs> Literally said that. Okay. That's true. That's true. That is true. I can't thank you guys enough. I didn't have not nearly enough time. Thanks, Jennifer. And thanks, Andy. And thanks, have us back. Have us back. Were you busy? Love I would love that. Yes, oh, we'd love oh, to. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, we'd oh, love oh. to. Sure. <laughs> oh, I would like to, but jo- Josh is going to be dying in August. Uh, listen to listen to Thought Spiral wherever you get your podcasts, and listen to Andy and Josh, and look for Jennifer on ConnectedParenting.com, an amazing place where you can learn all about resilient skills. You can learn about all kinds of tools and techniques and skills that you can use to change your life, to make your life easier, to uh, not, be in, not be in shame 24 hours a day. You can, uh, you can learn. So connectedparenting.com, wonderful books and media. And find us wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, I love these people. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick. <laughs> See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.